everybody, welcome to the Fundamentalists Podcast. My name is Elliot Morgan. This is a podcast I do with my podcasting partner, uh, uh, Dr. Peter Rollins. Did you forget my name? I almost said Holmes. Whoa. I just saw him on Instagram. And he That's did who you want to be with? Unconsciously, you want to be with him? Well, who doesn't? Yeah. But he just did a post about doing a podcast on a couch in his garage. And while I was on a couch about to podcast, and maybe that's part of it. Ah, yeah. um, that or I've confused you two on some some deep level. And that brings us to the premise of this podcast, folks. This is a mixture of philosophy and psychoanalysis, as well as whatever the heck I'm going through in life. And uh, <laughs> I do comedy, and uh, Pete does philosophy. Yeah. Yes. And uh, and that's what we do. And I do dialectics. Dialectics, which is what I'm very excited because, first of all, thank you to anybody who's given us feedback or given me feedback recently. Um, I was in Boston, and a bunch of people said some really sweet things about this here podcast, and um, it kind of confirmed what I think we've talked about or we're talking about last week, which is uh, mm-hmm. that we got a good thing going here, and we're going to keep doing it and uh, get bigger and better, and it's going to be real fun. Yeah. But this particular episode, I'm I'm excited about because I don't really know. I think you're you're gonna have to really break things down yeah. for me. So you, we were ta- we are talking about dialectics. Yep. Um, and I don't know what that means. Why I should care? What I should do with it when I know? Yeah. It sounds cool though. It's you a cool just, sounding word. You just know it's got something to do with Scientology. I just <laughs> know exactly. It's, it's that, something to do with a guy called oh, Zenu. Yeah. Who yeah. who basically killed a lot of people and left their souls on planet earth yes yeah. and it helps you get clear and it's gonna and it helps you ascend to the next level i was it hanging out with um valley folk kids last week i guess and we were looking up famous celebrities that are celebrities that are um scientologists that mm-hmm. you wouldn't know about whole lot of them turns out whole slew oh is that right yeah, debatable on how many are actively involved, yeah. but more than you'd think. But that's not what we're talking about. Because yes, yeah. The, Although, you know, funny thing is, but the reason why I said that is because oh, somebody, somebody said to my friend recently, said, uh, you know, Pete's, uh, Pete's really into uh, Dianetics. And then my friend had to say, no, I think it's dialectics. <laughs> so only in L.A. would somebody uh, think First that- of all, yes, he is. But he publicly <laughs> yes. is into dialect- dialectics. Yeah. Not Dianetics, Yeah. <laughs> By the way, man, you have had, uh, like, the the contrast between our lives at the moment is quite extreme. Like, you've been, <laughs> you've been just hammer and tongs at fun and life and yeah. all of that. And my highlight has been going to a pen expo. Yeah, you told me. I'm sorry I did go to the pen convention yeah. without you. And I was like, well, funny you say that. I think I'm going to a cat convention on Saturday. Well, yeah, that's um, very cool. Which is different, and I'm probably not going to buy a cat. But, um, yeah, man, it's been a fun fun time it's been a lot of traveling so much traveling and hanging out and uh being with grace and we're having a great time and we're enjoying life very much and um but I'm, both of us are sort of like tired as well and yeah to, to chill but it's my birthday week and i have no intention of doing that yeah at least listen, happy birthday man thanks dude that's 32 uh, 32 yeah wow one more year before you beat jesus Yes. And to be honest, Jesus did a lot more than you did. But after 33, you can pretty much beat him every year. You're pretty, yeah, you're yeah. right. Well, he kind of fell off after. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, he didn't fell, fall off. He was probably taken down by. He had like three really productive years. Yeah. Like in the, yeah. in the, in the limelight. Yeah. Well, and he had some, he had a few days at the end that I think he oh, really that's right. Which is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. the comeback. The comeback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the comeback tour that he did was really impressive. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's been very fun. The 32, I feel very good. Right now, but uh, it's definitely. I was talking to 
uh, somebody about it recently and it's like there's this Beck song called Dear Life where he says Dear Life I'm holding on and it feels a little bit like that right now yeah. just like oh this is life just got turned up to uh, an 11 right now not just with you know being with Grace and traveling and all this stuff but there's just professional stuff that all seems to be like coming to a head right now that is very exciting um, that I can't talk about even though I kind of talked about it in Boston with some of the yeah. folks after the show because I have a big mouth but um, it's Christian Mime we're doing some Christian mime. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm pretty stoked about it. And uh, it's going to be a new channel and it's all going to be Christian mime. Do you think, have you seen Christian mimes before? Yeah. You know, listen, there's a singer in Snow Patrol who was very good at Christian mime. Cool. And uh, at one stage he was looking at. The can, singer of Snow. No, not the singer. Like uh, the, singer. Uh, the drummer. Okay. And Snow Patrol. Uh, he, I shouldn't say this. But I, I think if he you should. Said, I think you no, absolutely should say it. Is that right? But uh, yeah, many years when he was young, uh, he was involved in Christian mime briefly. That's so not as <laughs> and, embarrassing as some of the crap that I've done. It's yeah, fine. That's good. Well, at one point someone said to him, because he's getting into music, and uh, this woman said to him, listen, no, I think, I think you're making a mistake. I think you're very good at Christian mime. <laughs> So there was a point in his life when he was at a crossroads. And I, I still think to this day, he probably thinks he chose the wrong path. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He should have stayed in his lane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man, that is hilarious. At yeah. one point, he had to choose between. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, we yeah. all have our choices to make, and you can't regret it. You can't look back. No, yeah. you, can't, you, can't, you can't spend your days pining over your your potential Christian mime stardom. I still you know. hope that sometimes he'll break it out at a live concert. I've seen them a few times live and thinking that maybe this is the next direction for them. Yeah, but. if the, all of a sudden mid-song the drums <laughs> stopped and then everyone was like, where'd the beat go? And then he came out and did some sort of like, I know what he's talking about. It's like pantomiming. It's yeah. like a thing. I mean, I'm assuming that's what it is. Um, but in, I remember growing up in the church, pant pantomiming was like a huge thing. Like yeah. People would do these big choreographed mime numbers toward like Christian songs and it was always acting out like, you know, the girl would get real in despair and then someone would come along and a boy yeah. would come along. And I mean, Carmen was her. the, was a genius at it. Have you ever watched Carmen? Yeah, man. We oh, got yeah. drunk that night and watched oh, that's it right. a few yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. it was because uh, Curtis got us yeah, back yeah. into it. Oh uh, man. Bite the dust or devil, Satan bite the dust or whatever. The, that's tough. Oh, those are, that's just classic. Sad, uh, sends chills down your spine. It really does. <laughs> and not the good kind, but yeah. it's, it's worth it. Very cringy. Anyway. Yeah. Dialectics. Dialectics. What is that? What is dialectics? Yeah, so I mean, I've been doing some stuff on this recently, teaching a course on it, and I was like, well, you know, dialectics is this way of arguing and philosophy that I think has loads of practical uh, uses, and it's not well known outside of philosophy, but it's a form of argumentation which is designed to make progress in thinking. It's designed to kind of like move you forward. And uh, to start with, because it's a bit complicated, but um, it, it, you can start with it's almost like you have a position and if you think about it enough, uh, it often throws up problems. Um, and as you go deeper into those problems, you end up uh, at the opposite position. Uh, even though you, you didn't get to the opposite position by letting go of your past, you actually got to it through delving really deeply into mm -hmm. it. But then you start delving into that, and that leads you on to another position, which bizarrely kind of br brings you back to the original place you started. It brings back something. So for example, someone might be a religious person, and they start looking at their religion really deeply. They take it seriously, and then they start to have doubts. And the doubts come out of their 
they're taking their faith seriously. It's not from lack of seriousness, it's like they're really looking at things. And then through that, they end up at the opposite position. Through the very ex exploration and taking seriously their religion, they end up uh, being in a place where they reject the religion. But then they go deeply into that and they find that they rediscover something positive from what they left behind. Something re-emerges, not the same thing, but the what they left behind returns okay. in a more positive way. <clears throat> so well, so it's like it a Chinese finger trap. Exactly. I remember those actually. Really? Yeah. They're really, it's really like good. You want to get out, so you oh, try yeah. to go out that way, but if you go forward, then you can actually be released from it. That, that's that's exactly it actually this yeah. is what i do this is what i yeah. bring to the podcast this is this is my uh, this is what i offer <laughs> your work in here terms is of over. intellectualization it's toys you get from chuck e cheese yeah why. you're just putting the mic down now you're done that's yeah me, i'm done right? Keep i've going, brought what i bring and now it's up to you yeah yeah because the, the beautiful analogy there is yeah the more I, the idea is actually the more you pull away from something and try to reject it the more entrapped you are within it yeah. it's like the more you try to rebel against your family the more you will actually start doing things that's always in relation to them. So mm. you'll end up, you'll find yourself always going out with people who your parents would hate, right? Because weirdly you've rejected them, but your rejection is like this, it's a pushing away that yeah. means you're more enslaved than ever to them. So yeah, the, the, the weirdly, this is the argument that if you want to get freed from something, you actually go deeper into it. Yeah. Um, a great example of this is actually, you see it in psychoanalysis. Uh, because in dialectics you have these oppositions, so sacred, profane, peace, conflict, God, no God, whatever. There's these these dichotomies we have in life. So when someone goes to an analyst because they like, they go, I've got a I've got a conflict between um, chaos and peace, between you know disorder and order. I I feel like there are these traumas in my life and they're going to tear me apart. And you go to the therapist because you want them to help get away from that so you want to leave your trauma behind but the therapist does a type of dialectic move instead of taking you away from your suffering which is the gnostic thing you want to get away from your groundedness they push you into your suffering and the idea is weirdly the only way to get over your pain is by going into it and actually affirming it and accepting it so this is a, there's a, there are like, we'll get to probably three main things about dialectics, but this is the first one, Hell which yeah. is that. I'm in. Oh yeah, you like it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, you, you, in dialectics, people, people tend to, when they're given a choice between the sacred and the profane, or between order and chaos, they always pick the good, right? You want the sacred over the profane, you want the peace over the conflict. Um, and that's, that's kind of, that's called Gnosticism. Gnosticism is where you want to avoid the dirtiness of your life and you want to get off to something really good something oh, really? out there yeah when you so, say narcissism you mean gn yeah that's it that's GN. what that is okay well it's narcissism in its widest sense because gnostics kind of reject the earth for some other reality mm -hmm. out there and so it's gnosticism is in whatever way sacred or secular it is a rejection of your 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 present life okay you're fantasizing about retiring to Hawaii. That's a type of weird Gnosticism. You can't accept your life. You fantasize as better life. Yeah. The other thing people do is they, uh, it's a form of Gnosticism as well, but you go like, oh, um, they're actually both intertwined. Uh, this, the order and the chaos are really, chaos is just an illusion, right? But that's kind of Gnosticism. But then you've got resentment, what Nietzsche calls resentment, which is where you accept your life 
but you hate it. Yeah. You kind of accept it, but you resign yourself to it. Uh, it's diet. called resent your mom. Is uh, what it's called? Resent your mom. <laughs> got it. Got yeah. it. <laughs> Writing that down. Yeah. It's, I, th- I think we talked about it. Did we talk about it in an episode before? No, I don't think I've ever heard that oh. term before. Resent a mom? Resent a mom. Resent, well, it's the French for resentment, and I'm terrible at Res- accents. Oh, so. I see. But the reason why he, he, he puts it in the French is because he's making a distinction between resentment and resentment. So resentment is when you don't like somebody. See, I see you doing well, and I resent you right yes no, there's not a problem with that really yeah we go and have a drink and we work it out but resentment is where you see everything in that light there is nothing good that you cannot make bad mm-hmm. there is nothing healthy that you cannot make sick that basically it's not that you have the odd resentment occasionally it's that resentment is the lens through which you see the entire yeah, world yeah yeah okay cool, so it's, cool. a, it's the cynic who just hates everything right um and, that's, and, and Nietzsche saw that as a spiritual condition that, that people suffered from. Cool. Dialectics doesn't do either of those. Okay. Dialectics chooses, and this is the invention of Hegel, he was the first one to work it out really, is you choose the worse. When you've got the option between peace and conflict, you choose conflict. But by fully embracing conflict, by fully affirming it, you find peace. Uh, an AA, for example, you go to AA, the guy in AA is denying they're an alcoholic. They're trying to avoid a confrontation with their 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 truth, their mm-hmm. dirty secret. But in AA, the first thing you have to do is accept what you are, fully embrace it, affirm it, say it in front of everybody. I am an alcoholic. Not even I drink too much. I am an alcoholic. You fully affirm it. You you fully take it on board. And the idea is that by doing that, you can be freed from it. Yeah, you flip the switch. You flip the light on. Yep. Look at it directly in its face. Yes, that's it. So that's why it's incredibly courageous. It's like you you have to go to the dark place. Uh, you can't get life until you die. Yeah. It, that's dialectics. And if you want to find your life, you have to lose your life. Yeah. I yeah. keep thinking, too, that this stuff ends, and it doesn't end. I always am like, yeah, like, I know. That's what, like I, You look at the conflict directly in the face, and mm. then it, it sucks for a second, but then it's better for a moment. But then I'm like... Once I've, I feel like I've done that enough times that um, at some point you should get like some kind of level up and you shouldn't yeah. have to do that anymore. But you keep having it's like the it's all of life. Yeah, I don't. I think you there's no end go, end game where you no longer have to look at the shit. That's it. It's the ongoing Welcome to the fundamentalists, everybody. Yeah, here we yeah. go. That should be a bingo. Uh, if we had a fundamentalists bingo, one of the squares would just be me in the middle of of it going, "Welcome to the fundamentalists, everybody." Yeah, I've done that many times. But anyway, yeah. so but can I, and here's a, here's a great theological example of this. I, I this might be boring to everybody. I don't know, um, but there's a great thing for us. Boris, Pete. Yeah. Well, I'll go with this, and then we'll uh, see where we yeah. where we get <laughs> um, this. A theologian, uh, Altizer, he talks about the death of God. And in Christianity, the death of God is obviously around the the death of Christ. Yeah. And Altizer says that this is a symbol of something that happens in a variety of ways in reality. So there is the cosmic death of God. And what that means is basically the universe is this, if you take the metaphor, the example of the Big Bang, it is a, it's there is nothingness or an infinite an infinite singularity explodes and it pours itself out and as it pours itself out everything comes into existence yeah so the cosmic death of god is the universe itself as it empties itself it's called kenosis as it canonically empties itself 
beautiful creation results. Wow, you're throwing out some hot words. Oh, yeah. Hot words. Kenosis? Kenosis. That's, that's the, the pastry. The, the pastry. Is there a pastry? Well, it's cannoli. Oh, well, I'll, I'll go with that. It's a little, yeah, <laughs> not quite there. Yeah, it means it means self-emptying. It's, it's a, a Greek term that means self-emptying. Cool. I like so, that a lot. How do you spell it? Do you know? Uh, K-E-M-O-I-N. Yeah, 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 that's why it's a yeah. podcaster, but yeah. <laughs> Google it. Uh, um, okay, so dialectics, I still don't get it. Okay, yeah. Well, so hit me with what's the point. So, well, so the, well the, so the cosmic thing is that that's oh, yes. an empty in itself, but this uh-huh. is dialectic. So it's, it's like as the, as the universe empties itself, things are created. Mm-hmm. Objectively, oh, yep. yeah, mm-hmm. at the objective level, historical level, Altizer says in the 17th century, God died in history, which simply means that science no longer needed God as an hypothesis to progress. Mm-hmm. So we need no longer needed to hypothesize the existence of God to do physics or chemistry mm-hmm. or anything like that, or biology. Because of the scientific revolution and the yeah, exactly, discovery which in, of the scientific method and, or the development of the scientific method. Exactly. which it which like founded somewhere. Yeah, and, and by the way, and that came out of religion. So it's like these people were very... They were very devout mm-hmm. religious people, most of these scientists. So that's the dialectics again. It's not that they rejected religion. They went so deeply into it that they ended up uh, losing God as with an botany. hypothesis. What's that? They ended up with botany. botany. And like Mendel. And I thought you were going to say in hell. They, they ended, ended up, up in hell. hell. <laughs> yeah. Well, they did. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah finally. Um, um, cool. All right. But, but that emptying, that kind of like emptying of, and loss of God, resulted in incredible scientific and technological developments. Yeah. And then in the 19th century, uh, the death of God happens existentially, i.e. we more and more people didn't need to presuppose the existence of God in order to make sense of their inner life, mm. to, to make sense of meaning. So that's existentialism, really. And this gave rise to incredible innovations uh, in in a variety of fields in literature and philosophy mm-hmm. and history. So now this is nineteenth century. You're talking about the eighteen hundreds. Eighteen hundreds, yes. Okay. And and, and early twentieth century. Okay. Yes, yeah, so really from like the yeah the late uh, uh, the from kind of basically. I mean, I think of the it industrial more industrial revolution. Is that kind of what you're the yeah. era of that? No, that'd be like that's more like twentieth century. Although, actually, I think the death of God probably fits better. The reason why they say 19th is because this is where Nietzsche comes in. Nietzsche's a 19th century mm-hmm. thinker, and he really embraces. But it's the, it's the two world wars. It's industrialization. It's the Holocaust. Yeah. That's all 20th century. That That is partly responsible for this experience of the death of God. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. But each of these are can be seen as religious events, and each of them is... Uh, a choosing of the worst you know it's a choosing of the loss of meaning and each of those choices lead to incredible innovations and developments right so that's it that's an example of dialectics at work is that you think you're losing something terrible like you're you're, you're choosing the worst but i mean you are you saying up- that the wars were a result of like the world wars were somehow a result of believing in like I'm still, I'm kind of, you're oh. kind of, I'm lost a little. Oh no, sorry. Yeah, no. What I'm saying is basically with the the world wars and the growth of psychoanalysis and the growth of other things all just help to erode the sense of a, a God who makes sense of the world. So like the Holocaust is the perfect example. Yeah. That was a religious event in that it, uh, 
you know, is you know, God. The, some the, some uh, Jewish thinkers talk about God died in Auschwitz. You know, this idea yep. that that God as a, as a as a as something that makes sense of life and reality, in one sense, dies. It's not atheism in the sense of intellectual. It's atheism at an existential level. Yeah, it totally. is the loss of really the the confidence in some a priori God. Have you uh, have you read Man? I'm, you probably have Man's Search for Meaning. Oh yeah, Victor Frankl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I really want to read that. I think that's next mm. on my. Um, it's a beautiful book. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna probably do just. I'll probably maybe I'll do a physical version of it because I've been doing a lot of audio books lately. Yeah. But um, I feel like that's the type of book I shouldn't listen to on audio. It feels very like I should have it in my hands. But um, yeah, I'm excited to read it. But it, it apparently talks about that and the sort of like stripping away of everything. You lose any everything, and the people who actually survived that era were the ones who were worthy of their suffering and they they made they found beauty in like the sunset they found beauty in a flower and they like learned how to live in this like tumultuous terrible terrible life and come out the other end a completely different thing that was like not necessarily atheistic yeah. but was definitely like they experienced full-on death of god type stuff it's really that's beautiful. exactly it yeah that's like like there's a whole death of the kind of the historically how we make meaning but in that and logotherapy which is frankl's thing was yeah how do you find meaning after the death of meaning yeah and, and uh, yeah so that's again the dialectics um so this is a fascinating kind of way of thinking i mean is dialectics just like what's the difference dialectics i guess is a because it sounds like a form of communication it sounds like a that you like use you use it sounds like a tool that you use to communicate certain things mm -hmm. like if you use dialectics or it seems like a guideline to make progress in conversation yeah. which sounds very cool but like in your description of it it basically does sound like existentialism to me it just sounds like that's the same ideas of existentialism you just move toward death and chaos or you move toward the thing that is the unpretty thing and through that you can find yes whatever so what would be what would be the big difference between existentialism and dialectics yeah you could probably say that existentialism is dialectics but dialectics isn't existentialism i.e okay well that explains yeah. everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> say but, no more <laughs> say no more <laughs> well just, just that dialectics is wider and bigger than I existentialism. See, I see. so yeah, yeah existentialism can be, oh yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah existentialism is a it it, it definitely operates with a dialectic yeah. but dialectic is um is bigger Whole than fact. that yeah um, yeah and and it is fine in thinking before existentialism and after existentialism oh really cool yeah so like um psychoanalysis in its proper form is the dialectic as well why is this dialectics thing so important like why is it what's the, the is it just because it's the best kind of known method for prog for make like having sort of progressive and useful conversations like is it because anything else is sort of leading you in circles is that kind of the main because I've heard you, you do talk about it a lot, and I'm like, I know most of the stuff you talk about, I'm like, I get the the significance of that, but with dialectics, it's a little bit harder to be like, okay, what's so? What do I? What do we? What do I do? You know? Yeah. The... Yeah. I mean, it's it's almost like it's a the the strongest claim is it's just the nature of the universe itself that the universe, like I mentioned, that cosmological oh, cool. yeah, stuff yeah. is like is like this is how progress occurs. Evolution is a form of of dialectics Absolutely, in the yeah. material world. Yeah, it's so, nothing but death. Yeah, nothing but death, which brings life. Yeah. That's it. That's, it's, it's this weird kind of like a horror show. Yeah. That, oh, it's disgusting. It's awful. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. Awful. Yeah. It's beautiful right. and awful. That's like, you can't have oil without, you know, like oil is the death of billions upon billions of yeah. creatures. But 
that what we have is incredible diversity of life. Right. That so dialectics happens at a biological level, historical level, metaphysical level, cosmic level. And so to think dialectically just puts you in the flow of reality itself. Wow, That's what I would cool. argue. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. yeah, cool, cool. I like that a lot. Cool. Yeah. And can help you make really good decisions in your personal life. When you think dialectically, you can kind of think like, for example, oh, I try to run from my suffering, but maybe dialectically I have to choose the worse. Mm-hmm. And choosing the worse is choosing the suffering. But it's affirmative, and this is why. I mean, this is why my argument. I, this is why I'm not a humanist. I've got a um, or an atheist in the traditional sense. Is because humanism is not dialectic enough. Humanism, in, in its traditional form, rejects religion, um, but in, in a way that doesn't enable religion to be reborn in in the rejection. Yeah. So, for example, here's one dialectic example: is that uh, so in in religion you have things like a transcendent, something that is other than material world, right? Some, some supernatural reality. And traditionally, humanism has rejected that. There is only materiality, cause and effect. There's what your senses can perceive, and that's it. That's it. Being, there is basically atoms bouncing against atoms. And ultimately, then, we live in a deterministic universe. Yeah. So that's non-dialectic, because you stop there. A dialectic thinker says, no, you fully reject the transcendent fully embrace the imminent and when you fully embrace the imminent material world you will potentially discover a new form of transcendent yeah and this happens so now we have like in contemporary physics which is dialectic you have the idea of a non basically wave particle duality superpositioning that there is a um Uh, a non-deterministic dimension to reality. You have it in mathematics with the uncertainty principle. What you start discovering is, in philosophy, it's called non-reductive materialism, that the material world has novelty built into it, that there is at a basic level. And so that, again, is a type of dialectic no to the transcendent that actually leads to an affirmation. It's a no to the transcendent, but it's a yes to all the cool shit. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. And all the fun yeah. shit that makes yes. you not annoying, like, there's nothing. To blah, blah, blah. Yes. That's Resentimar. That's the cynic. That's the, yeah. uh, you know, you're either a Gnostic, uh, uh, caught up in resentment or dialectic. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, f- uh, I don't know if we talked about this on the last episode, but I wrote that joke where it's like, um, when I was, I love this. Uh, yeah. What was it? Um, my ex-wife and I have the same birthday. Uh, when I was young, I thought that was a sign from God. And honestly, now as an adult, I still feel like that was God's way of saying, hey, I'm not real, uh, which is <laughs> a joke about it, not believing in God. But then the day I wrote that joke at night, I talked about how I was kind of starting to believe in God again. And my lamp turned on. Out of nowhere, my broken lamp turned on after years, after decades of being like, God, if you're real, turn the lamp on. And then that happens. And I was like, for sure, there's a reason the lamp came on. But at the same time, how funny on the same day that like I write this like very, because that joke makes me feel dirty because it also isn't like, it's such a, I guess it would be like a humanist joke. Like the joke is like, there is no God. Well, no, I think it's, I think it's a dialectic joke. Well, Well, come back to that in a second. Because it is my way of saying that was God's way of saying I'm not real, which is 
I do like the joke, but um, yeah. yeah, it was. It's so funny, like having those mo- those days where it's like, oh, I wrote this joke that I feel kind of dirty and bad about, and then something happens where it's like, oh, and well, also see, just yeah. life itself. I mean, happens to be currently it's difficult for me right now to not feel like there's some kind of weird crap happening but that also is after years of being like oh yeah there's nothing there's like absolutely nothing this is all all uh you know but lights out dead end but well that's more fun now yeah no this is this is i actually had a dream when i was a teenager and it was a similar structure to your joke it was a dream in which god spoke to me and said i do not exist and that that was a fundamental uh, event for me. That Did was, you write a parable about that? Is that an yeah, orthodox yeah, yeah. Cool. And, it's, and it's in my work in various ways. I, I think that was my second conversion. Yeah. And, the, and it's significant because, again, it's not standard atheism, which is God does not exist. It's God tells you God does not exist. Yeah. Now, that sounds utterly incomprehensible at first, but it's like, think about it like you are coming to realize doubt from within your own tradition so it's not that you doubt your tradition it's it's you go into your tradition and you begin to disbelieve it by taking it incredibly seriously yeah like i i mean i vetted my i vetted whatever version of christianity i had from as far back as i can remember usually it was just being like into acting and and if you're in acting and you're in that world and you and my parents were very good about like encouraging that but as a result i was exposed to stuff that wasn't common in in polk county florida which was like homosexuals and like people who were very kind but people who i was told was like were off base and so I just remember my entire childhood and then the same thing with evolution hearing the people who believed in evolution were like these crazy people and so like I just started like from a very young age just like hounding my mom with these questions and being like why this why do we believe this why this why is this person like this but I'm supposed to believe that and she was always really good at having kind of like apologetic style answers mm-hmm. but uh, something was always like nah this isn't something doesn't make sense but I want to make sure that uh, it's incorrect before I make any sort of big changes and then as I went on and on obviously it led me to whatever path this has been on but then it's still been like it's still been better, but it was a result of taking it seriously, like believing what yes. they were saying and, and believing that they believed what they said, yeah. which now I go back and I'm like, these people must not really, like they're not, like how do you just lo- how do you just casually believe some of the things that yeah. are out there? But at the same time, uh, it's, know, it's, yeah, it's the people, it's the people who take, say their religions ser- so seriously, the ones who destroy their record collection, the ones who, you know, remortgage their house and go on missions. It is often those people who break free of religion. This is why Lacan said only only a priest can be an atheist. Yeah. He says that only when you take it fully seriously does it deconstruct from within. But the people who don't take it that seriously, who go to church every week and you know do their prayers, do read Bibles, they generally stay in it mm-hmm. forever. Or the people who reject it, somebody who rejects their religion, then they just, beca- they, some often, not always, but they take on humanism or atheism with the same flavor. So they still kind of like embrace a type of wholeness and oneness or a type of like, uh, they still have, it has a similar feel. It's That's always still absolute. It's always yeah. still like, I ha- now I have it figured out. Yeah. I also think more often than not, it's rebellion against the parents. And it's like, they never cared about the religion that much one way or the other, but it's a way of, of rebelling against their parents, which is funny because like you were saying earlier, you end up, if you constantly are trying to rebel from your parents, you're going to do things that are like, you're going to end up, your life is going to end up still being defined, defined by your by parents. Them, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you have all these people that are like, oh yeah, I'm an atheist. And I'm like, 
I'm like, I have a friend who's staunchly atheist and, and is very like anti-Christian and all that stuff. And sometimes I'm just like, I don't know that you earned like this, like yeah. ve- this, this kind of pseudo vehement, yeah. uh, or like yeah. pseudo passionate, uh, the stance yeah. you have because I'm like you didn't really ever you weren't in the trenches of actually believing what these people yeah. were saying that's a whole other experience and discovering that actually the the death of God is within religion like Nietzsche when when Nietzsche talked about the death of God he spoke to people who didn't believe in God not many people know this is like that actually the madman parable is where Nietzsche is saying to basically the the famous madman parable guy goes into a marketplace with a lantern middle of the day screaming I seek God I seek God and it says that as there are many people who don't believe in God in the marketplace they begin to laugh at him and uh, they say where is your God is he gone on a sea voyage uh, is he a child is he scared of us as you run away and then the old man smashes the lantern transfixes people with his eyes and says where is God? I will tell you, God is dead and you have killed him. And uh, then he goes on in this incredible kind of rant, talking to people who don't believe in God. And what he's saying basically is this, he says, you think you're enlightened, that you don't believe, that you've, that you've given up this belief in God, but actually um, the belief remains within you. So for example, it might be uh, you think that money will make you happy right. or fame or, you know, you, you're still fleeing death. You still haven't realized you haven't basically become nihilistic enough. So Nietzsche's whole thing is to overcome nihilism. You have to fully experience nihilism in your being mm-hmm. and people often convert to avoid that. So in other words, if your religion starts to break down, what you do is you convert to another position, which seems secure that you can believe in rather than delving into the experience of the loss of everything you just find a new system to believe in and nietzsche is saying that you're what you're doing is you're not experiencing the death of god there's still like tents that you're just like hopping mm. out of one tent and you're like kind of walking through and you feel all brave and then you're just like oh crap i gotta get into another tent and then you get into another tent and you're yeah. like oh now i'm in the atheism tent now i'm in the scientology tent which is a it's a obviously more ornate tent they have air conditioning there but yeah um <laughs> It's a better tent, but yeah. Yeah, that's it. So you're you're just moving from one to the other. And the, 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 the point for, and this is interesting for these death of God theologians, they say that the point is that your religion at its best should destroy you. That that's actually the truth of religion. The truth of you know your position is that you should confront your own finitude, your own unknowing, your own, and that's what the crucifixion experience is. It's the, it's the loss of the loss of meaning. You experience yeah. the death of it. You experience nihilism. But the trick is this, and it's a dialectic trick that if you go fully into the crucifix experience, the crucif- that cruciform experience, um, you will then experience resurrection. Mm-hmm. That weirdly, if you without blinking can embrace nihilism affirmatively with joy. Yeah. Then you will find that a new form of life erupts, but you can't know it in advance. Yeah. And so Nietzsche was saying to these people, because you can't he, skip that real hard part. Yeah. You skip, and he says you ha- you are skipping it if you, unless you have. And he, he has a beautiful example where he says you've seen the lightning, but you haven't felt the tremor of the thunder in your being. And then elsewhere, he uses the example of the Buddha. He says when the Buddha died, it's said that the shadow of the Buddha stayed on a cave wall for hundreds of years. We must not simply get rid of the Buddha. We must get rid of the shadow. We mm-hmm. must not simply get rid of God, but also the shadow of God. And Nietzsche was a very religious man. He was very pious. I mean, he was an incredibly religious individual. And, and he is the great 
overcomer of nihilism yeah know? and the the shadow of buddha would be like the equivalent it sounds like of being like well i'm not really into christianity anymore i just think that there's like a uh, ever-present force that guides all things exactly and, and, and then you're like oh that's just the shadow of what you used to believe yeah but what you explained then, with your joke and then with your experience is that that actually um there's a dialectic openness to the novelty of the universe mm-hmm. that's not connected to domesticating it with a with an explanation yeah but rather an enjoyment of the of the craziness i mean i definitely feel at this point currently in life that where i am completely without like if you i don't feel i guess if you i i'd probably still a believer i mean that's kind of the joke we make about oh this yeah yeah <laughs> podcast but like it's i'm for sure like suspended in, in some sort of like whatever i guess i don't know right now i don't and it but it doesn't seem i'm not even also thinking about it because yeah. it's not high on my priority list and i think that is also allowing me to enjoy life a little bit more is not take not be like what tent am i in and what like what is the label that i have right now because i don't know yeah i have yeah. no idea yeah but you're embracing the profane like you're embracing the grittiness of life that, that's, definitely embracing the profane yeah and like that's what that's what this is this <laughs> i'm nailing that part yeah but that's what that's what this dialectic's about it's going like the uh the real move is between the sacred and the profane is always the profane but yeah. that will give you the sacred yeah that will uh and and we always have to have the encourage to the courage to embrace our lives which for the alcoholic means i have to embrace that i'm an alcoholic and of course the answer to that is no if you embrace that you're an alcoholic and you accept that then you'll never give up but it's like, no, that's actually the first step to giving up. And for the person who goes to an, into analysis, what I have to accept my suffering and my trauma, I have to make a peace with it. I have to, I have to affirm it in some way. Well, that's, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Like, well, no, actually, weirdly, that's going to open up a way beyond your trauma. You know, that I have to become a nihilist. I have to enter into this, this experience of the radical death of God as a theological event. I'm just going to end up wanting to kill myself. Yeah. And it's like, no, there is green pastures waiting for you when you're able to die. Yeah. And, and life is about learning to die. Learning to die, obviously, at the end of life, but also you have to learn to die while you're alive. It's an incredibly difficult thing to do. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, worth it, but terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I assume. Um, mm-hmm. I, I remember a while back I was talking to uh, someone who basically was a self-professed alcoholic with uh, and they were like I'm an alcoholic they're like that's just what I am and they're like I'm not planning on changing it I don't like the sober life and I'm going to be an alcoholic forever and I'm going to drink and drink and drink and what happens happens and I was like well there's some kind of like almost like substantial thing there where you're like I mean first of all it was like a red flag and it's like oh, I'm not going to hang out with this person too much but um mm. it, it's like that's so also sad when you like you can look at the darkness but you're 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 not doing it in a way that's actually productive or healthy for your life in any way you're just sort of being like yeah this is what i am this is what it is and and deal with it and i'm gonna i don't care whose life i wreck and then i'm like oh you're kind of like just sad yes and that's yeah that's a non-dialectic uh acceptance yeah it'd be just going toward the it's the cynical it's the uh it's the teenager yeah yeah the teenager it's a teenager it's it's that weird move where you accept reality, but, and I think it's, it's why humanism is non-dialectic, not that it's depressing necessarily, but it doesn't 
it doesn't allow itself to have a transfiguration, a, yeah. a transformation. And, and so those, for me, those are the two temptations we always have is either Gnosticism or a type of resigned acceptance. Yeah. Um, the, the other one is a weird kind of affirmative embrace with an open, with, and this is what hope is for me, with the hope that in that, in that embrace you will change. So he had no hope, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was like, this is what I am. I'm this, I, you know, there's no... He's I, hopeless, yeah. Yeah, he's hopeless in the sense of he, he wasn't even open to the possibility that there was a mode of existence that would be worth, that, would, that is, was beyond alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, nothing better not, on the yeah. other end of, the, of this, just like, I found my thing, I found my... Yeah, total security yeah. blanket. And it was, it was like the humanism of like, you know, from the 17th century, which was like a, a kind of like, yeah, the material world is what it is. We have determinism, whatever. That's the philosophical end, right? And then a, a, amazing thinkers come along who are, who are dialectic and go, oh no, what we actually can discover is that that the, the material universe itself is um, has novelty built into it, has undeter- indeterminacy built into it that we're mm-hmm. only beginning to really explore. But that, but Hegel guessed that in in the sixteen um, hundreds was he? Hegel sixteen hundreds? Yeah, I could be wrong. I'm terrible with my dates. Okay. I'm terrible with my dates, but I think he was sixteen hundreds. Well, I had no idea. I thought Hegel was like. 30s or something 1930s yeah, oh, yeah. So, so if you think you're bad yeah. actually he's probably 1800s because he was just before Kierkegaard and Nietzsche they're all they're all kind of coming out of Hegel yeah but yeah. um but yeah but so please uh don't crucify me out there no. for me getting my well deeds. if they do you'll come out the other end you'll be resurrected if we were Joe Rogan we would just be looking it up online Is yeah but we're not and yeah. uh, he has God. somebody to do that doesn't he yeah, he has someone who does it uh, in a big old studio space and everything. We don't need all that, Pete. We don't need all that success. Yeah, we don't do. We should it. run from that success as quickly as possible. Yeah, I think we're doing. We're nailing that pretty well. That we are. Well, there's it. a dialectic. If between success and failure, choose failure, and um, you find a success. It, yeah, and it's, it works the other way around as well. Is when you're successful, like only when you're successful and, and fulfill your dreams, do you hit a real failure, which is you realize your dreams don't fulfill you. So in the very success of your dreams is a fundamental failure. But if you can then embrace that failure, then you have a profound success. So you get the thing you want and you go, shit, that didn't work. But then you accept that it didn't work. And then, and then you find, oh, that's where real, real life is. Yeah, we, we, um, I guess like a week ago, um, the Valley folk did a thing that um, worked out really well, but we went in with the mentality and, and kind of came out with the mentality of like, this probably isn't going to happen or work, so we should just kind of aim for that and have fun and not really give a crap mm. and not pretend that this is going to work in any way for us, like in a, it, or that it's even a good idea. And we walked out of it going like, oh, okay, like by having that mentality, we had such a great time and we had more fun, uh, and it did work out. It yeah. worked out real well, and it was, I think, it was a partially a result of being like, and then when it came time, to make the the decision of whether or not we were going to kind of move forward with this very vague story I'm telling, um, it kind of boiled down to, to us being like the only way this works is if we go into this with the expectation and the, the desire to only have fun and to not care yeah. about any of this stuff and to, to give up this idea that there is like a carrot at the end or a yeah. pie in the sky. Like we are like, this is, this is the thing that's going to fix it all. Yeah. Right? yeah this is just it. one more thing of us being four assholes doing what we love to do. 
and uh, and let the cards fall where they may. Yeah. A lot of that I think is psychops, and it's us kind of yeah. talking ourselves into to being calm. But at the same time, it it seems yeah. to work. Like and there is like, a dialectic element to that. I mean, you can you, you hear the hints of it because you're right. right. Like if you went into that situation and went like, we have to get this, we have to get this, we have to get this. The the first problem is if you did get it. Of course, you'd realize, oh, you know, it's it's good, but it's not the thing. So there'd be a failure in the success. But secondly, but if but if it's not like that, if you're going like, oh, this is a good opportunity, and we'll have fun with it, yeah. but it's not the thing. Um, you're all, you're all, you've already got the thing. You're already enjoying the messiness of your life, and then of course it also then you end up getting it. But the great thing is you get it, and you, none of you are thinking that this is the the no. best thing in the world it's just like it's a good opportunity yeah some of us are thinking it's the worst thing in the world yeah, so yeah. we're gonna see what happens and more <laughs> on that later yeah more on that potentially months from now but yeah it's gonna be uh it's a very fun fun time but anyway okay so dialectics what is that all the points you have on dialectics because yeah so the points where you you've got the two positions you choose the mm -hmm. worst you choose affirmatively and you get to the you get to a place in one sense yep. is what's called the coincidence of opposites coincidentia oppositorium right oh, I think wow. it's, is it co where basically the two positions mold together in the worst and if you can't do dialectics you end up as a gnostic or in resentment um, there you go yep that's that's what I wanted to cover so far did that Damn. make sense do you feel it that makes total dialectics sense. makes sense to you. It, yes, I still wouldn't. If you, I, if you were to tell me what the definition of it is, I don't know what I would say. The first part of the definition is. I would just be like, I would say it's this thing where, but I don't know what the thing is. Is it yeah. like, is it a, is it a school of thought? Is it a way of conversate conversing? Is it a? I, I think I see what you're saying. It's a. It just sounds so much like an like a grammatical thing or like an yeah. English class thing. It's like yeah. today we're studying like dangling participles and then we're stu studying dialectics, and it just sounds like a I don't know a way you'd you know conjugate verbs or something. So it's yeah, it's yeah. weird for me to hear the word because phonetically it just sounds like so many other things that are not what it is. Yeah, and the other thing is, and especially in in the U U.S you're not trained to think dialectically so the main form of logic is cause and effect so argumentation is you know uh these certain propositions lead to these propositions and there's a cause and effect yeah. thing and dialectics is just a is a it's just a different form of logic neither of them sur surplant the other um but uh, they're different forms of logic. Children think dialectically very much. So, you know, you see children bouncing from one position to another. They're affirmative in their affirmations. and But they're idiots. But they're idiots, exactly. Have you ever met a child? <laughs> yeah, man, honestly. Incredibly stupid yeah. people. <laughs> Cross the board, stupid people. Yeah. <laughs> um, children are so wise. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah no, um, I get it. Oh, I get it. Yeah. As soon as I said it. Okay, cool, man. Well, it's we're at 46 minutes. I feel pretty good about it. I know. I'm wondering if there's a good example. Um, yeah, it's difficult because it is such a giant, giant. topic. Yeah, yeah, so it's hard to be like, this is a time when that happens I'm, without just being like, saying something existential or saying something that is just existentialism. Yeah. The evolution stuff I love so much. I've been watching a lot of blue planet too lately and a bunch of planet earth lately. Um, and I have been doing it while, while pretty, uh, pretty on marijuana. And, uh, I tell you 
nature is messed up and yeah. it is gross and it is hilarious and weird and disgusting and beautiful. And if, if there's not proof of whatever you're talking about on yeah. planet earth and blue planet too, then I don't know where you're going to find it. Cause yeah. that nature itself, I mean, from like the zoology stuff in college and like learning about evolution and all that stuff, it, it got, I, a lot of the stuff I think got hardwired into my brain, but like on a different, in a different room yeah. of my brain. And so I can understand, especially when it relates to evolution, how this stuff works. Um, and, and that's a good point because like what I'm saying is like, it, it works in so many different registers. So you've been trained in the biological thing and you can see it in the biological world because mm -hmm. dialectics operates, as I said, like cosmologically physics and biologically in evolution and then historically um, in philosophy. I wonder um, if too, yeah, like, like dialectics and philosophy sort of like lends itself to existentialism or existentialism. Like if the little Plinko ball of dialectics fell into philosophy, it would light up the existentialism light. Yeah. And if it lit, if it fell into biology, it'd be evolution and then physics, cosmology and all that stuff. And it's, it's relates to this thing where it's like all this stuff is all the same shit. Like it's all, mm -hmm. even in like when I go to therapy and he's like, I'm trying to pass off, everything is like roses and then I'll say that one thing and he'll just be like, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. And then he like forces me to like talk about this like ugly crap that I don't want to talk about because yeah. everything is great. And then it's just like, and then when I'm done, I'm like, I don't want it's like, yeah, this, this is happening. Da, 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 da. And he's like, okay, all right. All right. And he like, doesn't make any yeah. diagnoses with it. He just is like, all right. He's like, well, that isn't good. He's like, that's a concern. He's like, let's yeah. do it. And it's like, this is the same thing where everything is looking at that other side of it instead of hiding from it. And it's like, I keep thinking I'm going to be great at it and be able to do it out of the gate, but I, I'm not. I have yeah. to every well, yeah, that, day. That, that's great. Yeah, because you see when you, your experience there, I'm feeling the same in my life at the moment is that everything seems to be great. I'm having a good time. Mm -hmm. It's all good. But there's a little part of me that thinks I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not looking at something that is gritty and earthy and difficult. Yeah. And, but I'm only dimly aware of it and mostly not aware of it at all. Right. And it's funny how, you know, and you'll know this as well, but like you can, if you're with somebody in a bar, it's funny, like you go to a bar and everyone's drinking, everyone's having fun, might be a nightclub, people are dancing, but there's a certain point usually at one o'clock in the morning or one thirty, and everyone's having a good time. Everyone's drinking, laughing, dancing. And you get a sense that if you just turned on the lights and turned off the music and just briefly asked everybody to look at each other in the eyes just for a second, everyone would start crying. Right? Yeah. That the, that, and then you start seeing it. Then you start saying, oh, that person who's looking too long at their phone, that person who's kissing this other person, but in a, in a slightly hesitant way or dancing, but they're self-conscious when you really look at how their, 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 their eyes are. Um, and you start to go, oh, we're all Gnostics here. We're all trying to, we're in the world, but we're kind of like trying to avoid confronting our real sufferings, our traumas, our difficulties. Dude, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just basically just to finish that thought is like, is that what dialectics does? It kind of goes like we can't do this all the time. But but actually we're real. The real action takes place is when we become aware of that and actually oh, go into yeah. the dark space. What were we going to say? Yeah, there's this uh, video that I was shown by um, by grace recently and it was basically this the it's from soul pancake and it's strangers and a couple and a couple who'd been married for like 50 years they stare at each other uh for four minutes uninterrupted eye contact and you can blink and you can say stuff and so the idea popped up for us to do it at uh, the valley folk and so we all drew names 
and I, Lee and I got each other and then Joe and Steve got each other and we put up cameras and we filmed ourselves staring directly into each other's eyes for four minutes and then we talk about it at the end and it's very cool but it definitely is like immediately like a uh it sounds like a very it doesn't sound like a funny no it doesn't sound like yeah it doesn't no. sound like except you're... joe and steve's i guess was really like they uh, were just like goofing off the entire time and uh, i was like well the point is that you're supposed to like really try to do it but you know they, they're comedians and so they're gonna yeah. do it unlike they can't i mean who they, are not they comedians. can't look at their darkness exactly uh, yeah, <laughs> they, exactly. they have they're to comedians. flee the horror of <laughs> yeah. existence <now. laughs> somehow make jokes uh rather than yeah but we uh i, won't, I don't want to spoil anything but it comes out it, we'll see how it comes out i haven't seen the video yet but i think it's going to be a very fun um thing but it is that kind of thing of like yeah. the lights getting turned on and just being like dead silent and being like here let's see what pops up and for sure it it works yeah. that's a level of like weird intimacy that's like and the idea is it's supposed to produce empathy too like it's supposed to create a deeper connection but who knows yeah if that, yeah, actually it, yeah there, it reminds me of this it's a thing that we did uh an icon the community that i ran in belfast where we got this for just for one night this abandoned police station Very so it was cool. like it's like straight out of a horror show you know um it was dark we had to bring in lights from outside there's no electricity and what we did is we set up various things in different rooms. So there might be a band in one room. There might be, there was a, a, a guy who was half naked scrawling things on the wall cool, with chalk cool. in another. Um, upstairs there was a friend he's a psychoanalyst things like help me pete didn't really hire yes. me this is he never pays show. me yes he <laughs> yeah yeah he's mean to me let me out. he's still there to this day yeah <laughs> um, upstairs we had this guy psychoanalyst psychoanalyzing a uh, a mannequin um yes. yeah i we first time i talked to you about this i couldn't think of that name i think fashion, fashion doll, doll was, yeah. uh, yeah, was fashion, fashion doll, doll. Um, one of those fashion dolls yeah uh, but then we, it was like a sensory overload all through this building that you walked around. A fashion doll sounds like an actual doll, like a like a baby doll that a little kid would have. So a, a uh, person psychoanalyzing a little baby doll is also very creepy. And that would be very creepy. Yeah, and this was very creepier creepy. than the mannequin, I would say. Well, it was so creepy that a guy fainted while he was watching it, and everyone thought it was part of the show. But it was a point because the psychoanalyst then picked up these veils of blood and passed them around it wasn't really blood but like but it was like it felt like blood and mm -hmm. he said this is my you know this is this is my blood given for you we we need to pour out blood for each other so it's quite a beautiful like little moment at the end of the psychoanalysis but a friend of mine just boom that totally sounds very uncomfortable <laughs> yeah it that was very very it was, very uncomfortable it felt like out of the exorcist present for that too <laughs> I would do whatever I could to get out of that situation. Yeah. Uh, well, well, from that frying pan, oh, yes. you went into the fire and you went down into the basement into a cell. And in contrast to everything else, it was just utter silence. You're being led by a guy who's on an IV in a patient's uniform. Sure. And he's bringing you down. It's like a haunted house. Like it's a, like a haunted house. It was called Resuscitation. And it was, uh, yeah, it was kind of, it was about dialectics yeah. really. And, Basically and other a things. modern day Heaven's Gate tells flames. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I really want to do one of those things. Oh, yeah. yeah. If we can find one around here, it'd be very fun. Yeah. But downstairs in the basement, um, it was exactly what you did. Uh, all you had to do before you left was look at someone else and then stare them in the eyes for a few minutes. And it was incredible, the emotional response yeah. that people were feeling. And it kind of was a perfect showing that we actually are Gnostics like we most of our time we avoid looking at the traumas the difficult things the the embedded stuff that's mm -hmm. within us and we pretend everything's fine because we we want to choose the the high rather than the low but at the end of this experience you're confronted with that low 
and if you're able to if you're able to actually make peace and space for that low then the idea is you transcend it there's also something to be said for just like there's like the mindfulness stuff and if you stared at somebody directly in the eyes it gives you something to focus on which means that like much like if you're doing any kind yeah. of meditation or they're like focus on your breath like find some kind of anchor and then you can you're, you know you'll be kind of free or you can learn to be free from a lot of like the mind you yeah. know the wheels that your mind starts spinning in and uh so by doing that, by staring at somebody directly, you're like creating the most intense anchor. And so you're like looking at them and then I'm imagine, at least in my experience, it like makes it very emotional very quickly. Oh yeah. And, and the, the key, that's a brilliant point you're bringing up because one of the interesting things about that experience is you, you're being looked at by another, but because you're looking at them and they don't say anything and after a minute or two, they don't become a single person they are just a gaze mm -hmm. so the individual who i know elliot morgan we're chatting we're drinking i know you but if if we stare silently weirdly you become just a gaze and the notion is it's a similar in catholic church with confession and analysis with the analyst is the priest isn't an individual they are a gaze itself they are just a gaze that is looking at you and same with the analyst you're not supposed to think of them as a person mm -hmm. who's married or divorced they become a gaze and the notion is you you can only see yourself through the eyes of another and so as you experience the pure gaze of the other you come to see an aspect of yourself that you'd otherwise miss it's beautiful there you go <laughs> well um so any takeaways from you no i mean i think i i i learned a lot i think um i also feel like I didn't at all. Uh, and I feel like I knew, I knew it. I just don't understand it. <laughs> and that is dialectics. Thanks everyone. Well done. Bye. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye.